0: Thank you, Miss Robin. Take take your Bibles, if you would, this evening and turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, tonight as we're walking through the Old Testament, starting with the book of Genesis, of course, the book of beginnings. If you don't believe the book of Genesis, you don't believe the first 15, 10, 15 chapters, you might as well throw the rest of the book away. Because if you don't believe in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, everything else goes downhill by that. You have to, if you don't grasp the thunderings from Sinai, which these are the writings of Moses, this Pentateuch, you cannot understand the cries from Calvary. You have to have a biblical knowledge of the Old Testament really to understand the New Testament. A lot of people say, well, I'm just going to read the New Testament. Then you deprive yourself a lot, because most of the scriptures, of course, is in the Old Testament. 39 in the Old, 27 in the New. So I encourage you, a a lot of new Christians, and of course, I encourage new Christians to start in the book of John, the words of Christ. Understand that, but you cannot leave out the Old Testament. Don't be just a new. Say, well, then only New Testament matters, uh, folks. What do you think Paul read? <laughs> what do you think Peter read? They, they didn't have the New Testament. They were writing the New Testament. They had to read the New Testament to know more about God. So it is important that you read both the Old and New to get a proper understanding of the Word of God and the truth of God. So take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter fifteen. And we will look at verse 1, after these things, the word of God, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, for I am thy shield, and the exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given me no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bow shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven, and let tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. He said unto them, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said to him, take me an heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. He took all three of these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. When the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abraham drove them away. Verse 12, and when the sun was going down, the deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a an horror of great darkness fell upon him. It said to Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be as a stranger land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they shall serve will I judge. Afterward shall they come out with a great substance, and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in good old age. The fourth generation. Shall they come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full? And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a lamp burning that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land from the river Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadamonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephamites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we can look to your word. We see these precious promises that were given to Abram. We thank you for the precious promises that are given to us. And Lord, just like you kept the promises and will keep the promise to Abram, Abraham, God, you are keeping your promise to us. Not once in the history of man have you made a promise and not kept it or will not keep it. We thank you that you are a promise-keeping God. We live in a world where lies abound, and you wonder who you can trust. But thankful, we know we can trust in you, God. Forever, you are trustworthy. Bless your holy scriptures and help us to learn to glean things from your word to help us to grow in our relationship with you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Towards the end of the 13th century, Edward I of England commissioned a colony of artists from Italy to coin a currency for the English Mint. The Florentine artists took sheets of gold and silver, divided them up in shears with shears, and hammered out pieces into copper shapes, but for all their skill and workmanship, they could not give each piece an absolute equal weight. For one thing, the hammered coins had no carved carved rims around their edges, so it was not long before the thieves discovered it was easy for them to clip a silver or two off the rim of a shilling than it was for them to do an honest day's work. Things ain't changed much. Coin clipping became a profitable enterprise of crime. Queen Elizabeth tried to improve the nation's coinage with new methods of minting money that were introduced. That made matters even worse for side by side with pure full value coinage, These circulated the old clip debased underweight coins. The The result was chaos. Every monetary transaction ended up with a squabble over the coins tendered in pavement. The coin of the kingdom of God is the promises of God. The coin of the kingdom of God is the promises of God. John Bunyan, who's known particularly most for Pilgrim's progress, but he also wrote a great allegory called The Holy War, tells how Mansoul, having been long under the power of Diabolos, was last emancipated by Prince Emmanuel. One of the first acts of the king was to arrest Clip Promise, the traitor. He was a notorious villain, says Bunyan, for by his doings much of the king's coin was abused there for he was made a public example. Alexander White, in commentating on this phrase, phase, excuse me, phase of the story said, the grace of God is like a bullion mass of purest gold. Moses, David, Isaiah, Hosea, Paul, Peter, and John other inspired artists who have commissioned to take out the bullion and out of it cut and beat and smelt and shape and stamp and subscribe the promises and then to issue the promises as currency in the market of salvation. It is these royal coins imaged and subscribed in the royal likeness that clip promise so mutilated, debased and abused. Once already God had made Abram a great promise We read about these promises already, that God would give an inheritance, a seed to him. He called him out of the Ur of Chaldees. That promise, Abram had believed to the full. No clip promise, he. By believing that original great promise, he became a pilgrim and stranger with his feet firmly set on the straight and narrow way. God was now about to amplify the promise. Once again, Abram believed and indeed believed. Became the father of all those who believed. Abram had a wonderful capacity to take God at his word. What God said, he believed. What God said, he did believe. He never mutilated it, abused it, debased it, especially at this time in his life. So first of all, we see this evening the promises of God. Do you believe in the promises of God? Do you believe the promise of God? Let's look back at chapter 15. In verse 1, Abr- Abram finds himself here seeing a vision. God saying to him, first of all, fear not, Abram, for I am thy shield. First of all, God is our protection. God is our protection. He says, I am thy shield. Psalm 3, 3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield to me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God is your shield. He is your protector. The whole world is seeking protection. Oh, if I do this. Oh, if I do that. Oh, if I try this. Oh, if I try that. Dear friend, as a Christian, nothing can harm you save God allows it. I believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. If I didn't believe that, I would not rob a motorcycle. I get on that motorcycle and I said, Lord, if you want me to live, let me live. If you want me to die, take my life today. Because if I live, I live unto God, and if I die, I die into God. I do not believe in chance. I do not believe in luck. I do not believe in happenstance. I believe in the sovereignty of God. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Oh, and though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. Oh, dear friends, do you trust in the sovereignty of God that he has your best interest at hand? And through the Holy Spirit, he will lead you, he will guide you, that he protect you. Oh, how many times in this life, I wonder, countless, I wonder if heaven and heaven, when we get to look back, on our lifespan, and God and His mercy would show us. Oh, you would have died if I'd have left you step, if i left you sleep sleep under some other ledge. Oh, if I allowed you to take that job, you wanted it so bad, you thought you had to have it, but I I caused it to I caused it not to happen. And because I said no when you really wanted it, you survived this trouble in your life. Sometimes, as I said this morning, the greatest blessings in your life was when God said no to your promotion. God said no to your move. Two times before I married Angie Goosey, God said no to two girls I was dating. I thought, I thought, man, my whole, I, I was going to get married to these two young ladies. I thought it was the will of God. But God's will is better than my will. He knew better. He knew what I needed more than I knew what I needed. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? He's my protection. Not only that, he's our prize. Look what it says. And thy exceeding great reward. Oh, dear friend, what do you need outside of God? He's our reward. Ruth two two. Boaz says to Ruth, The Lord recompense thy work, and that full reward be given to thee of the Lord God of Israel, who's under whose wings thou art come to trust. Revelation 21, verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle of God with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and the God shall, himself shall be with them and be their God. God is my protection, and God is our prize. There's nothing greater we need in this life but God. Not riches will, partake, what, 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 not riches will fill that God-shaped void in your life. Take all the money in all the world. Spend it how you will spend it. It will not replace God. Have all the friends you could ever imagine. Have five billion friends on Facebook. Uh, God bless your pee heart. It won't replace God. Have all the things, have all the stuff, in all the world. It will not replace God. Have the best retirement plan. Have the best insurance plan. Have everything you can imagine plus some. It will not replace God. Because this world and all the things of this world is finite. With God, is infinite. It's infinite. It's past what we can imagine. We see the promises of God. But not only that, we see Abram's plea. He says, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless. Now, people think sometimes just because I'm a Christian, just because I have a relationship with God, everything is supposed to go easy peasy, lemon squeezy that's just not so that's backward theology actually it's heresy it's false teaching and if you ever get to hear somebody saying to you well if you ever have problems in a Christian life it's only because you're sin Well, you take him to the book of Job and ask him what do you think Job did then you take him to the book of Paul the book of Paul the, the books that he wrote <laughs> the book of Paul took him to the some several books that he wrote in the New Testament and say hey what, did paul have it easy how many, of those, how many times was he beaten three times how many times did he go shipwrecked? Shri- shipwreck how many times did he go through struggles and difficulties and pains and sorrows and ultimately he lost his head because he decided to go to rome your life dear friend just because you're a christian doesn't mean you're going to have problems many a christian especially early in their christian life have gone astray Because they thought the Christian life would be easy. They thought everything would be smooth. They thought there would be no more problems. But dear friend, if Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, was spat upon, was beat, was laughed, was mocked, dear friends, we, all of us, struggle with what we talked about this morning, the sin of pride. And oftentimes we need to be humbled, sometimes by God himself of our pride oh dear friends we're going to go through problems so what was abram's problem he was childless he had the promise you're going to have a seed but he wanted it in his time don't we want everything in our time we're used to going to mcdonald's well Used to going to McDonald's and getting what we want. Well, we 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 want to go to McDonald's and get what we want. We want our cheeseburger with, with fries. We want that cheeseburger with just a little bit of ketchup, just a little bit of mustard, little, and a little bit of pickle, and we hope and pray we actually get a cheeseburger at all. We we want it the way we want it, and we want it yesterday. And we think God's the same way. Dear friend, God is not a cosmic genie. You don't rub some, you don't rub some lamp three three times and say, Uh, Hello, genie, give me three wishes? Dear friend, it's on his time, not our time. If God gave you what you wanted, uh, when you wanted it, dear friend, you probably wouldn't be here tonight. I told you a story when I was a kid. I wanted a moped so bad I could taste it. I had to have a moped. All my friends had a moped, but if I'd have had a moped, I wouldn't be behind this pulpit right now. I'd probably died. God gave some wisdom to my mother and said, No. What are things in your life, what are times in your life that God said no to you? Maybe right now God is saying no to you, and you're mad at God because you're not getting your way. You're like that little two-year-old, Mommy, I didn't get my way. (laughs) You ever seen him in Walmart? Oh, you want to run real fast, don't you? (laughs) You just want to be their parent for like five seconds. Can I be your parent for like five seconds? Please, 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 please. Oh, dear friend. Abraham's plea, his inability, what wilt thou give me? See, I go childless. Genesis chapter 30 and verse 1. When Rachel saw that she had buried Jacob, no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children, else I die. <laughs> i got to have a baby or I die. Now, having children was a little bit more important back then, seemingly, because without the seed, they could not continue. Their family could not continue. We often hear that the verses in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred, make the heart sick. When the desire cometh, it is tree of life. It is true. You get bad news, you have hope, you have hope for something, you want something to happen. But God does it in his timing, in his, in his way. We see the, in his inability, we see the inevitable outcome. The steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, one born in my house. If Abraham did not have a seed, inevitably conclusion, His inheritance would not go to his child. It would go to his chief servant, which was Eliezer. And, of course, Abram didn't want his inheritance to go to Eliezer, and neither did God. So we see God's promises. We see Abram's plea, and we see God's plan. What did God say? This shall not be thine heir, but but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Remember I talked about this morning, sometimes God repeats himself, not for his benefit, but for our benefit, God had told Abram, hey, you're going to have a son. But in God's mercy, and God, God's kindness, he repeats himself. You're going to have a child. You're going to have an heir. And God has always kept his word. Dear friends, that's why it's so important as Christians, we be people who keep our word. You know what? You are only as good as your word. I'm going to say it again. You are only as good as your word. If you give your word to some, somebody to do something and you continue to break it, you're really no good. You say, well, I'm talented. You didn't show up. I'm gifted. You didn't show up. I'm rich. You didn't show up. I have lots of friends. You didn't show up. See, Dan, you can be talented, rich, educated, have all those things. But if you don't show up, it don't matter what you are. If you can't keep your word, you are basically nothing. Without God keeping his word, there would be no reason for us to be here today and tonight. God always keeps his word. Do you keep your word? Are you someone known in your family for what you say you will do? Now, some, we all have times when we plan to do something and something comes up or as we get older, we can forget. That does happen. But generally speaking, are you somebody that when you say something, is, you know it's going to happen? Dear friend, be that type of person. Because the world is looking for people who actually are honest. People, the world is looking for Christians who not just say they're Christians, but actually act like Christians, and you can trust them. Trust is everything. Can somebody trust you? Someone said these words, is, a, is the word of a gentleman of the strictest and most sacred honor, and that is the end of it. How is your word? God repeats his promises not because he needs to, because we need to be reminded often of them, because he knows our frame. What do we do? We get afraid. Did you really mean what you said, God? When you said you was going to give me a child, well, did, I, did, I, did, I, did I mishear that? Did, did I mistake that? No, he said it. We get forgetful. (laughs) Did you really mean what you said? I I forget what you said. Dear friend, do you you doubt your salvation? Do you doubt it? Do you get afraid in the middle of the night, wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats? Am I saved? Did God say he's going to keep you? Did God say he was going to save you? Did he say whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? He didn't say whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved if you're good. Or if you went to church last week, or if you tied, or if you didn't lie, or if you didn't, if you if you made made a pie. No, it says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Dear friend, it's not conditioned on anything you do. It's not conditioned on anything you do after salvation either. That thief on the cross who went to paradise with Jesus, just like Jesus said, he did not climb off that cross and get baptized. He did not climb off that cross and give a tithe. He did not climb off that cro- cross and go win and to Jesus Christ. He died on that cross trusting in Jesus Christ alone to save him from his sins, and he is in heaven today. And all we know is he believed in Jesus Christ and he rebuked that other thief. It's good to do. But dear friend, our salvation is not based on what we do. It's based on what Christ has already done for us. We see his plea. We see God's plan. The, the words of his promise. And the witness of his power. Verses 5 and 6. Look at it. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now towards heaven. And, and tell or count the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said to them, so shall thy seeds be. He said, look up in the stars. Abram, look up there. Now we're in the city. It's hard to see. But you get out there in the country away from all the lights, you look up in the, in the sky, you get up there, all the, you know, get out where there's no lights. You look up and you just see stars more than you can count. Do you know there's more stars out there than there are sands of the seashore? Because, friend, we look up in our galaxy and we think, well, that's, that's not a whole lot. But there, we're, there's not just one galaxy. We don't actually know how many galaxies. We don't actually know how many universes are out there. We don't know how much, but there are more stars than our sands sands of the sea. That's a lot. And God is saying to Abram, your seed is huge. It's more than you can imagine. It's unfathomable. We have such a weak faith thinking, oh, it's just going to be one or two. No, God wants to show us something bigger, greater than what we can even imagine. If we'll simply trust in him. Simply trust in him. He believed in the Lord. And what was it? It was counted him for righteousness. Abram believed God. Because he believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. That's how we're saved today. How are you saved today? You believe God. You trust in his Savior. This this evening, you came in. You sat in that seat. I didn't see anybody picking up that seat and say where it was made. Is this China? Is this Taiwan? Is this from Vietnam? You didn't look and see you just sat down right there in that seat, because some of you have been sitting in that same seat for a long time. You trusted that chair. Some of you trusted that chair more than you trust in God. You didn't check it out. You didn't wonder it. You didn't call Brother Pete and say, how much did you pay for that thing? No, you just, you simply placed your faith in that chair, and you sat down upon it because you believed in it. Oh, that we would have the same type of faith in God. Just to believe. Just to trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Oh, we see God's plan, his promises of his word, the witness of, us, the witness of God's power, and the working of his power. Look at verse 7. For I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give this land to inherit it. I love what God does. He goes back and says, remember what I have done for you? I brought you out of this land. And I brought you to this place. It's good to remember what God has done for you from your past to the present. Count your blessings. Name them number one by one. Where were you 15 years ago? Where were you 20 years ago? What has God done for you from that time to this time? Has he failed you one time? Has he broken one promise to you? Has he always been there for you? Has he helped you? Has he guided you? Has he strengthened you? Has he loved for you? Has he cared for you? Dear friend, he's never failed you. And if he hasn't failed you in the past, dear friend, he's not gonna fail you in in the present. And by the grace of God, he's not gonna fail you in the future. You have a God that you can trust. You have a God that you can trust. So when the troubles come, and you think like Abraham, how can I believe this promise? It sounds so far-fetched. He's promised me a seed, and I don't see the seed. Then think about what he's done for you in the past. And fourth, remember his provision. It, sees, it says in, in verse five, in verse nine, he said, taking heifer of three years old, and the she-goat of three years old, and ram of three years old, and turtle dove and a young pigeon. We see his provision, his duty, the practice of making a covenant in those days required some animals for the covenant ceremony. God commanded Abram to gather the animals together. and We see that not only his duty, but his division. He took them to, unto him, and all of these divided him in the midst of them, and laid each piece one against a, another. But the birds divided him not, and the, when the fowls came upon the carcass, Abraham drove them away. So we see his sacrifice, and we see his sufficiency. It was not enough for Abraham to bring the animals together. It was not enough for Adam and Eve to to sow fig leaves together. A sacrifice had to be made. Dear friends, there isn't enough for us to come to church tonight. It it ain't just showing up. It's not just, well, I'm going to get some pie. (laughs) It isn't just, hey, I'm going to give some money. I'm not just singing in the choir. Hey, I'm dressing up. All that's good religious work. But, dear friend, if it wasn't for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, it wouldn't be worth any of it. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. If Jesus Christ did not die on that cross and shed his blood, he could have done all the miracles. He could have been born a virgin. Without the shedding of blood, it would have been pointless. The blood had to be shed. We see the sufficiency of christ hebrews chapter 9 verse 13 for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to god purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living god yes the sufficiency is not just in gathering of animals and putting them in a particular order it's the shedding of blood God's provision we see the sacrifice the sufficiency and the security Abraham's patience God didn't immediately come and pass between the pieces of carcasses Abraham had to wait for a while to God to come and pass through the carcasses waiting tests our dedication as much as anything in the world One of the hardest things to do in this life is to wait isn't it the hardest things in doing life because in the waiting what happens we begin to worry We begin to get anxious we begin to fret we begin to get fearful we begin to doubt we right now we're in the waiting time we're in the time between the time we got we get saved which is our salvation our justification we're in the process of sanctification growing in our relationship with christ but we're looking forward to our glorification where we meet the lord jesus christ and that could come before we eat pie the rapture of the church could come at any moment. We believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. We're in the waiting time. We're in the waiting time. I remember when my wife was pregnant for her first child. I saw that. I said, thank God it wasn't me. Let's be honest. But I'm thanking God that she had our beautiful daughter, Aletheia. Then she said, I want another. And I said, you really want to go through this again? That looked painful to me. That looked to- how did you do it but well, she did it we had two I said, is isn't that enough she wanted more <laughs> i said are you sure I said, let's don't do that again <laughs> god is patient with us god is patient we see abram's patience psalmist said oh thee do i wait all the day wait on the lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart wait oh, oh, always on the lord wait on the lord And shall inherit the earth, Psalm 37, verse 9. We see his patience, but we see his powerlessness. Verse 12, oh, deep sleep fell upon Abram. Lo, a great horror, a great darkness fell upon him. He was powerless. He was powerless. It reminds me of a passage in Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. From the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The king of kings and lord of lords was powerless. He was powerless at that point. Why? Because he submitted himself to the will of the father. He denied his own flesh. He was powerless. He was powerless. He had to go through darkness. He said he could have come down. If he had came down, we could not be saved. He had to obey the will of the father. Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 71 it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn thy statutes. Dear friends problems and difficulties and waiting and pain it's all a part of God's plan for our life. Don't flee from it. Don't run from it. It is a sacred honor to go through suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. It's a sacred honor. You said what's painful it's hard. Dear friend When we do something bad or stupid or evil, that's when it's hard and difficult. Because when we do something we know is wrong, we deserve what we get. We disobey God, we get a spanking, we get a whipping from above, and we need it. But dear friend, when we go through difficulty and pain because we're doing right, that's different altogether. We are are partaking in the sufferings of Christ. That is his very will for our lives. Fifth, we see God's prophecy. First, the entrance into Egypt, I say, will be strange in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall affl- afflict them 400 years. God's telling them things are isn't that are going to happen. Isn't God gracious unto Abram? Not only is he going to tell them what's happening now, he's telling them what's going to happen in the future. You're going to be in Egypt for 400 years. Were they in Egypt 400 years? There they were. Just like he said, that nation whom thou serve, will I judge, and afterward thou shalt come out a great substance. And it happens exactly what they went. They went in small in number where they came out a great nation, even under hardship, under, under distress, under, even under pain and suffering, building those great pyramids for Egypt and all that happened during those days, sometimes just out of straw, out of hardly nothing. But God blessed them and used them. We see the interest in Egypt, the exodus from Egypt, and the expiring of Abraham. Thou shalt, go, shalt go, go thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. God's going to take care of him here, and God's going to take care of him now. And dear friend, God's going to take care of you now, and God's going to take you, care of you to the very end. He's going to take care of you. And say the end of the prophecy. And the fourth generation shall come hither again, for the nickel of the Amorites is not full. What is he saying? He said, God has a time in his, in his economy where he's going to come, but it's only going to be in his time. Sometimes we look around and say, God, how can you have such long suffering with what's going on right now? Aren't you glad we aren't God? We aren't God. Man, you would think, man, Lord, what's going on? How can you allow? Why do you see? But he has a, his timing is always perfect. He's going to do things perfectly in his timing. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. We don't have to figure it out. He's going to come when he's going to come. And all of these things that are happening in His nations, the world thinks "Well, we're playing checkers, we got it all figured out. No, God is playing chess. He knows exactly what's going to happen in every move. That's why we must trust the sovereignty of his will. You see the extent of the property. It says the land that he's going to be given It's from the the river Egypt, that's the Nile, into the great river, that's the river Euphrates. We see the people of the property, the Canaanites, the Kittisites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephramites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, the Jebusites. That's a whole lot of ites. It's a whole lot of ites. A whole lot of ites. Yeah, you're going to be in that land. And dear friend, we are are in a land uh, where, where there is a lot of Canaanites. That that they represent the world. We live, in, we, we live in the world, amongst the world, but we're not in the world. Now, some people say, well, you know what? I'm just going to be an isolationist. I'm just going to live my life, and I'm not going to care what other people do. I'm just going to go to work, come back from work, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. No, dear friend, God didn't call you to be an isolationist. God called you to be some a Christian to tell the world about Jesus before it's too late don't be a hermit don't don't be an isolationist because you're afraid what the world's going to do to you No, dear friend you're in the world but don't be of. you're not of this world this world is not our home and while we're here we need to be telling people about jesus christ how can i enjoy the blessings of a christian and all the all the blessings blessings and the promises and the future that i know that i have in christ jesus and not share that with somebody else. It might be like one of you ladies who says, I have a pie, and I have a special pie, and I ain't gonna tell anybody else about it. And we eat it tonight, and we go to you, and you say, will you, will you t- please tell us a recipe? Well, I can't tell you the recipe, it's a special pie. Well, dear friend, what happens when you die? We are gonna get to lose that recipe? I mean, that, that thing might knock our socks off, and we never get tasted again. Dear friend, share the love. Share the love with your brothers and sisters tonight so we can feast on that holy manna. <laughs> oh, if dear friend, if we'll do that for a pie, shouldn't we do that more for salvation? Shouldn't we be going around the highways and, and hedges and telling people about Jesus Christ? Shouldn't we be telling them about his precious promises? Shouldn't we be telling them about how faithful he is, how he loves us, how he's taking care of us? Oh, dear friend, don't be a sour Christian running around this whole world Oh how how bad life is and oh how tough life is and oh how hard i have it and oh how the economy's bad and oh how bad the president is and oh how bad the the governor or not our governor but other governors are and oh how bad the the mayor is and oh how oh how oh how oh how great a god you have oh how wonderful mercy you've been given i think about the grace of god to save go around singing Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When people see you, they look at you and say, are you crazy? No, I'm a Christian. (laughs) My life is different. And if you live a joyous, confident Christian life, you will be so different than the rest of the people in the world that someone will look at you and say, I want that is what everybody's doing right now, oh, the economy, oh, the gas prices, oh, the country. And I understand it. I understand it. I listened to a clip of a Marine that's 100 years old, and this Marine basically broke down and wept when he thought about his country and all the men and women who've died for this country and where it has gone from when he'd been 100 years old from then until now. He wept. This man wept. We've come a long way. But dear friend, this place, the United States of America, I love it, but it's not my home. I'm going to a better country. I'm going to a greater land. I'm going to a faithful father who's made promises to me which can not fail. And on the way, I want to take as many people with me. What's my attitude tonight? What's my spirit like? Gloom, despair, and agony on me? Sadness, woe, pain, and problem? You meet some people, oh my, oh my, uh, uh. (laughs) And you meet other people who have the same problems, but instead of looking inside, they're looking up. It goes back to what we're talking about this morning. You're either focused on yourself or you're focused on the Lord. You're focused on yourself and your pride and your self-promotion or you're focused on what God has done. And because of what God has done, it humbles you. And you can't wait to tell other people what God has done in your life. I was thinking about that, this and I was reading that book. As I mentioned to you a few weeks ago that my daughter got me for Father's Day called The Tap Code. It was written about the life of Colonel Carlisle Harris, who got shot down. I think it was April 3rd, 1945, in North, North Vietnam. He was in Hanoi Prison, Hanoi Hotel, POW. Talks about his life every day, going through the different things he's going through. And while he's there, his wife was in Okinawa. Eventually, he had to, she had to she moved from Okinawa with her two kids, one newborn and they moved to, to Tupelo Mississippi. Well, that she sold her car when she was in Okinawa. When she came to the coming to the states, she had another car that she'd bought, but it was going to be it was going to be at, in Baltimore, Maryland. And it was going to be a hardship for her to go from Tupelo, Mississippi to Baltimore, Maryland. So she called the the owner of General Motor Company. Called him up and talked to him directly. And said, "Sir, my husband is, in a, is a prisoner of war in North Vietnam right now. It would be a hardship for me to lo- leave my three children and go to Baltimore, Maryland to try to get, a, get my car up there. It's important, in in Baltimore, Maryland. Is there any way possible I can get a car here? You know what that man said? He said, go down to the local dealership, pick out any car you want. It is yours. It's yours. Dear friend, If God can provide something like that to her, you think of what he's had prepared for us. He has so many things in our future if we only trust him. Father, I thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for all you've done for us. Help us, Lord, to trust in your precious promises. Not one has ever been broken. Not one will ever be broken. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling in your Christian life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a personal difficulty. Maybe it's a pain or sorrow. Maybe it's something no one else knows about, but you're struggling. Trusting, maybe tr- struggling like Abraham, simply trusting what God has said. Believing what he said. Oh, you know what he said. You know what he said in his word, but it's it's hard to trust. It's hard to believe. You, you lack faith. And you're struggling with fear. Oh, dear friend, don't Don't be caught up in fear. God has not given us the spirit of of fear, but of power and of love and as a sound mind. Maybe you say, God, I need this message tonight. I need to trust more in God. I need to believe more in God. I need to hold fast to his promises. I've been wavering. I've been struggling. I've been doubting. I've been anxious. I've been worried. I've been fretting. I need to stop and trust and obey. That's my prayer tonight by the grace of God. I need to stop. And simply trust and obey what God has planned for me what his future is for me I need to trust him oh dear friend if you trusted him to save your soul would you trust him to provide for you the rest of your life preacher I need tonight I need to trust him would you pray for me anybody like that tonight I'm struggling I'm struggling I'm struggling my faith in God I'm struggling my trust in God I'm struggling with worry I'm struggling with doubt I'm struggling with fear. Would you pray for me, preacher? Would you pray for me? Anybody be honest this evening? Anybody be honest? I'm struggling. If you don't know Christ is your Savior, if you don't know that you know that you know Jesus Christ your Savior, I pray you come tonight and accept Him, for He's the only one that can give you peace. He's the only person who can save your soul. Let's stand to our feet as the music plays. If you're struggling with trusting in God tonight, you're living in fear, living in doubt. Would you come? it on the altar tonight maybe you you hear bad news or maybe you're fearful for the health of your loved ones or something's going on in your life a lack of finances worry about the future how how am i going to live the next five years ten years oh dear friend are you fearful tonight cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you give it up to God tonight.